Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, a podcast where I, Elliot, get to chat to creatives in the theatre industry. From writers to directors, producers to technical team, including lighting, sound and stage management. And in today's episode, episode 45, I get to chat with director Dean Johnson, who's currently working on Lift the Musical which is at the Southwark Playhouse from the 13th of May until the 18th of June. And in today's episode, me and Dean chat about how the production has evolved since its original run at the Soho Theatre in 2013, and how they've managed to progress with characters and brand new songs in this current production. So let's get on with the interview. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the Stagey Place. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How are you today, Elliot? I'm very good, thanks. I was just saying that I've just had a day off. We're currently recording on a Sunday, and I'm glad that I've managed to get you on, hopefully, your day off as well. Yeah, well, we're right in the middle of rehearsals at the minute, and my head's constantly in the show, but it's nice to have a bit of time to step away. And just been sitting out in the garden five minutes ago trying to get some fresh air, because you never do when you're in rehearsals. No, no, absolutely not. You're always stuck inside of a room. And we should say that the project that you're working on is Lift the Musical, which is at the Southwark Playhouse very, very soon. And I know that I've just caught you in the midst of rehearsals at the moment. How are they all going so far? Yeah, rehearsals are going really, really well. It's a really interesting piece. The show was first produced 10 years ago, and this is going to be a kind of brand new version. There's a lot of changes to the music, librettos, new songs in there. It's been a really nice space. And we, we've got an incredible cast on the show, an incredible creative team, Annie Southall, who's the choreographer, who has a lovely link back to the original production of the show. Yeah, uh, She's worked a lot with Tom Jackson Graves, who choreographed the original production. Um, and so she's choreographing this this version which is is really exciting and sam young i'm working with for the first time but that boy's a genius he's so clever and what we're doing with the show musically is really really exciting and yeah we're having a great time it's incredible cast of eight and when you've got a cast of that size you really can build a really unique bond as a kind of as a collective over over the rehearsal space um which is lovely and it's just great to be in the room with such wonderful fine talented people yeah and so when you're saying that this feels like new and there's like a new librato and stuff does that mean that people who have known the previous production coming to see this show will get a whole new restaging of the show that they've known before oh definitely i've been a fan of live for a long time it's 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 a wonderful show i always think if if you're reviving a show anyway no matter what that show is you have to look at that show through the lens of what does this show mean today? When Lyft was first produced, it was set kind of now, but the now meant 2012. And so if we're going to do a production of Lyft today, we had to have the conversation of, do we keep it in that world or do we make it feel like it sits now, today, today? We knew that the answer had to be that we were going to bring that up to date. And Craig Adams, the composer and lyricist, and Ian Watson, the book writer, have been really brilliant in coming aboard with that vision of, bringing the show right up to date and uh, some contemporary twists on it. And while we've been making those adjustments to kind of the tone, we've discovered a lot of things along the way in terms of how we make the show more accessible or, or finding more heart in certain moments. So it's been a really nice 
chance to just rediscover the show yeah. anyway i guess uh for those guys after 10 years you know you get those, those bits of hindsight you know we've been talking yeah. about this it's like oh yeah about five years after i solved that moment or yeah that could have been that or and so you you get some time to to create a really new and exciting version of lift so anybody who knows the production i think will not be disappointed all of the bits that, that i think they'll know and love will be there yeah um yeah. but there's also lots in of new and exciting moments that they might not be expecting, including how some characters kind of manifest themselves, which I won't give too much away about, but it's interesting and exciting. That is really exciting. And I'm really excited to talk later in this episode more about Lyft. But what I want to do and what I do with all the guests, Dean, is I like to know about their younger selves and how they got into the industry. So what was your first encounter with theatre and how did that then mould and evolve into the industry that you're currently working in now? Yeah, I, uh, me as a kid, I, I struggled initially at school, and I, I'm I'm from Northern Ireland, just outside Belfast, and I had had struggled initially with school with keeping focus and kind of you know ADHD level things that I just needed somewhere to channel my energy, and my, my parents tried a lot of different things to try and find a way that I could channel my energy, and you know, theater saved me in that way because once I discovered what theater could be or what this, those stories could be, it changed my perspective on life entirely, and all of a sudden I started to thrive in school and thrive in social friendships that I just had really struggled with before. And so, so it really gave me a lease of life uh, as a kid. And that's why I always recommend parents try it, you know, get your kid to try it. Even if they hate it, it's fine, you know, try it because it might be the thing that unlocks so much about their brain and their potential. Yeah, yeah I remember that the first musical that I saw that made me think like, this is what I want to do was the UK tour of Blood Brothers yeah. way yeah. back in the day. And I remember looking around me, a room full of people so moved, weeping at all of the heartbreaking things that Blood Brothers says to your soul. Um, <laughs> and, and just thinking, wow, well, what a powerful thing that this story, this make-believe, I loved playing make-believe as a kid. Like you, yeah. you never get me out of it because I felt more comfortable there than I did in my own brain a lot of the time. And so it was the idea of like, wow, imagine being paid and, and having your job to make yeah. things that are make-believe that you can show those worlds to other people and they're affected by them. And that was such an eye-opener for me. And around the age of 12 or 13, I, I'd been involved in, in kind of youth theatre on the performing side and really enjoyed it, but was inspired by, you know, some of the directors that I'd been working with. And there was a, a theatre in Belfast, Beaver Studio Theatre, um, which is the youth group that I went to. And there was a man called Richard Mills there, who was a wonderful director. And I went to him and said, I would love to direct a show. And, and I've got this play it was like a one-act play I've got this play I really want to do it and I would love to do it in the theater if you'd let me and uh, there's only one problem I'm 13 and I have no money <laughs> no contacts or, or and I've never done anything before but I would love your guidance and your help and either by pure generosity or sheer madness Richard very kindly said okay well if that's what you want to do here's the deal I will give you all these resources props costumes find your own cast put the show together in your own time bring it to the theatre and we'll see how it goes. And that was the first show wow. I ever directed. It was terrible, right? <laughs> well, yeah, 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 yeah. But it was it was also incredible, right? Yeah. And, you know, it was, I would say it was the worst thing I've ever directed and the most important because yeah. without that, I never would have caught that bug and, and found that. So I was so grateful for that opportunity to kind of yeah. at that young age and speaking to a lot of directors now, most directors 
don't get their first directing opportunities until they're in their mid twenties. No, yeah, me getting that at you've like, added a decade earlier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having that at like twelve or thirteen was, as I say, by sheer generosity or sheer madness, yeah. so valuable. And that was it from there, really. And I, I trained as an actor at the Guildford School of Acting um, mm-hmm. many years later. But while there, knew and realized that acting on stage wasn't for me as a long term thing. Yeah, just because I get bored. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, it's not, it's not like I get bored. I, I like the process of building shows. Yeah. And I realized that all of my peers who I was training with got so much out of being on the stage yeah. there in the moment that I just didn't. My creative energy was so much more alive in the rehearsal room. And then that's why it's wonderful working with incredible actors who have that creative process, you know, that rehearsal process. And, 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 you know, I come into a rehearsal process often, you know, the actors kind of arrive day one, kind of going, cool, you know, share your vision and then we'll try and help bring that to life, you know, because I'll have been sitting with a show for months on end before we even get into day one of rehearsals. So it yeah. then becomes about that kind of handover process and working together to build a show we're all proud of. And then, you know, the incredible cast that I have had the pleasure of working with throughout my career and take that on further. And it's a quite special, actually. It's, it's, a, it's a lovely job and a lovely process. Yeah, and I feel like we're merging back into Lyft now. So let's talk about this production of Lyft, the 2022 production at the Southwark Playhouse. Tell me where your journey started with this production in particular and how you came on board. You know, during lockdown, obviously everyone had a lot of time to think more than usual. And I overthink things anyway, but so that was a dangerous process. And I just kind of went back and started looking at, because I was like, I've got time. I was like, I just want to listen to music. I haven't listened to in a long time and new musicals and discovering new things and and, and one of those that I, I kind of rediscovered was was Lyft and I was like wow you know I, I hadn't thought about this in a little while but it's such a huge fan of the show when it was first released the, the, the concept album and I remember the first time I listened to that concept album the music having such a visceral effect on me and I was like wow and I thought about it again I thought about the original production at the Soho and all of those incredible performers who were involved in that production yes you know, and- Cynthia Rebo, Julie Atherton, <laughs> yeah. George McGuire, Johnny Fines, Luke Kempner, you know, all, all these incredible people who were involved in that production and the concept album. And you're like, wow, all of those people went on to have insane careers yes, in they, yeah. all sorts of different paths, but what a wonderful kind of meeting point. And I thought it's a show that lends itself so brilliantly to that because I guess that the nature of Lyft is to kind of give context of what it's about. It's about eight strangers who meet in a lift and then this one character, the busker, kind of imagines what their lives could be like. And it all links back to him. And so in an essence, every single actor on stage is playing the busker or a version of the busker. So then everyone's playing the lead role. And it then becomes this hugely ensemble-based cast of just eight people, which gives eight people a real chance to put their stamp on their moment of the show. And it's such a great vehicle for that. I was thinking, wow, it would be so wonderful to do a production of Lyft today with today's next generation of talent or today's kind of talent that's coming through and will be or already are the stars of today. And I think I'd like made a tweet about it or something like, someone should revive Lyft. It's such a great show. Someone should do it. And then I met with Liam Gartland several months later and he was like, I I think I saw you made a tweet about Lyft. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I love that show. Someone would you do it? And he was like, oh, I love it too we shouldn't we do it and I was like no you're totally right we should yeah, yeah. Um, and got to thinking about what that production would be in an artistic sense today and kind yeah. of going you know beyond because going oh it would be great to showcase talent isn't enough of a reason just to make a show you've got to go does this story make sense is it going to work and so we got to thinking about that and we went yeah let's do this let's make this happen and then as a byproduct then 
we, we have also put together a cast who are almost certainly the future of musical theatre in this country. Yeah, they're exceptional. I've got the leaflet here, actually. You've got some incredible upcoming performers and performers that we've seen already at the Southwark Playhouse as well. We've got people who are currently on stage at the Southwark Playhouse and who are now <laughs> coming over to your show onto Lyft, which seems which seems madness, but incredible. Oh, that, Jordan, you know, they don't they don't even need to unpack. No, <laughs> um, no. I said, stay in that dressing room. <laughs> you think you could just leave your suitcase like in a cupboard yeah. somewhere on, on, on the crossover um, so that they don't <laughs> even have to unpack. They're, they're just living there. And, and we are rehearsing currently in the rehearsal room at, at Southwark Playhouse. Amazing. Amazing. Um, yeah. So they are quite literally living there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and, we, and we've got Heba, who's who's a wonderful, wonderful actress and a, a brilliant brain. Kaylee McKnight, who I think is, has one of the best voices in the country at, at yeah. this at yeah. this stage. Luke Friend, who, who I hadn't ever worked before, but it's just brilliant. He's so charming, and he just lives with a guitar on him. And yeah. to play the busker, you know, is is so incredible. And, and Luke's background is is so similar to that of the busker, you know, as a musician. And he's been a busker, you know. Luke has actually done that on the streets, and so he he brings a flavor to it, which is so authentic. And it's such a hard road to to play because although everything is about the busker, actually the busker gets. So so little time for us to get to know him. It's yeah, so yeah. subtle. He's always on stage, but always listening, always lurking. Yeah, and it's so yeah. important that actor can nail that. And then we've got Marco, who's, who's a phenomenal actor. You know, he's a kind of proper actor. He's done you know, kind of globe, kind of world. And he just brings such a different energy as well into the show. And then we've got people who are making their professional debuts and Chrissy, Tamara and Cameron, all of whom I know are going to go into very big things. I'm very, very confident of that. Yeah. So that rehearsal space must be really collaborative and really creative. So tell me a little bit about the rehearsal space and how you're directing this show. Because like we say, Lyft is obviously set in a lift. It's quite confined. It's quite small. How do you then break that out to showcase these performers to their full potential? Potential. Yeah, that notion of scale is so important. I'm glad you've picked that up just as, as, a, as a first kind of thought. Scale is so important with Lyft, this idea of kind of being boxed in a room or, you know, that's the point of it. We've all been there. You kind of walk into a lift and the door's closed and you're like, great, I am trapped in this room yeah. with <laughs> all of these strangers for the next minute of my life. Yeah. Um, and anything could happen in, the, in that minute. And where scale becomes interesting as part of that conversation is the whole thing is in the busker's imagination. And obviously the confines of four walls in a lift mm. are so claustrophobic. The confines of one's imagination are endless. And that's the thing that has been really fun to explore about this production is how do we achieve both of those things? How do we achieve the claustrophobic nature of being in a lift and that the audience will feel like they're in that with us in that moment, yeah. but then also be able to be in, in a nightclub in the middle of London and yeah. also be in an office block and also be in all of these different spaces that we go to at the kind of click of a finger. And our designer, Andrew Exeter, who is a genius and, and he'll hate me saying anything nice about him on a podcast, but um, he's a genius. And I don't want to give too much away, but yeah. the yeah. what the set is, is is like something I don't think anyone will have ever seen, certainly in as intimate as a space as... Yeah. Southwark it's quite innovative in what it does and is really cool and links in with kind of the tube map and is all based on light it's awesome it's really yeah. cool and so I have Andrew to thank for helping to make that possible <laughs> yeah and not only is it about scale but it's about time as well because like we say like it is a minute of these people's lives 
but then you know it gets expanded throughout this whole journey this whole production obviously it's not a minute production that's the thing it's a whole thing so how do you mess about with time as well and actually showcase that this isn't just a lift that's broken down and you know they're stuck there for 70 minutes wherever long the running time is you know this is actually just a short snippet of the busker's life imagine if it was just a minute yeah <laughs> <laughs> one song off you go and see you later um yeah. so, you know you've got like lamez which is like six hours long and you've yeah. got uh, it's one minute no um uh, yeah so it, i am so i i love punch drunks work i don't i don't know if yes if, i've if been to have you been to burnt city yet i have been to burnt yeah. city already already have been twice i love uh, punch drunks work and i love that kind of notion of looping narratives and we we had to find more clarity with that notion of time and this kind of idea of looping time and it only being a minute and there's a kind of punch drunkness about how we achieve that in terms of we get this kind of first idea of the minute and then yeah he's like i, I need more time and then he keeps going back over this again and again and again until eventually he finds a resolution to his the show is about grief basically you know ultimately and it's about how he can find a resolution to that grief and without giving spoilers about how that happens that's what the show is about and mm -hmm. essentially he won't be able to break that loop until he finds a way to consolidate that grief and move on from a very traumatic breakup that he's had with his ex yeah, yeah amazing and so why should audiences come and watch this production of lift I think Lyft is going to appeal to people who want their heart and their brain to be stimulated in equal measure. It's a show that makes you think. It's yeah. a show that that really requires you to be present and engaged to really follow what's going on. But within that notion of being drawn into the story, then what happens is we open out a some really complex emotional beats that are actually quite universal. Some of the things that are explored emotionally in Lyft are the types of things that I think most people who are there in the audience will have explored in some way and will feel relatable. We all cry at Les Mis, but very few of us have ever been in the middle of, of the French student revolt yeah. of, of the 1800s, right? <laughs> but it's such a powerful story. What's interesting about this story is it will probably hit a little bit closer to home because it's about quite universal senses of trying to connect in a city, you know, particularly London, or, or not yeah. just a city, but in big spaces. And one of the things we've explored with this production is, is that that isn't just London and the big city anymore, that it's yes. the internet as well. And yes. people from all around the country experience that sense of, it's that false pretense of being connected and yet feeling completely disconnected. We all felt that during lockdown where we were all, you know, able to reach each other via Twitter and via text, but we still wanted to have a physical sense of, I want to meet with someone and see them and have something tangible and real and not complicated. And mm. that's what Lyft is about. And it's about really explores the complexity of relationships. So I think come see it for that. Come see it to have your, your brain and your heart engaged in, in many ways. Come see it for the amazing cast, the incredible score, and just a really innovative visual design as well. And, and a story that feels all at once universal, but also deeply personal. That's what I think is unique about Lyft is that it achieves both of those things at once. Yeah. And normally it will be one or the other. Yeah. And you've just pointed out there that obviously, as you were saying earlier on, you've brought it into the 2022 world, you know, made it more modern. And like you were just saying there, you were talking about the internet 
and how that's kind of a big impact on this production. Is there anything else that you've brought to this production that has made it feel more contemporary and more modern to today's society? Yeah, there's a big thing. Again, I, I want to be careful of giving too no, of much, course, yeah. but just teasing yeah. enough. The internet plays a huge role in this production. It, it was it was very, it was kind of touched upon in the original production of Lyft. But when Lyft was being written, the notion of social media was still in its infancy. Twitter was only a couple of years old yeah. when Lyft was written. And the notion of kind of online dating was still quite young. Now everything is online. There are two characters called the Avatars who have always been in the production, but are significantly increased in their role in this version of Lyft, including yeah. a brand new song that's completely new, not a kind of reimagining of anything different, like complete no. new moment in the show, which is quite Black Mirror-esque. Um, oh, I love Black Mirror. Um, yeah, I love it's got that kind of energy yeah. to it, which is, is really fun. And, and, and Craig and Ian did, have done a wonderful job into bringing that to life. So, so the internet plays a, a much larger role. And then just generally updating kind of who these characters are. There's the character of, of the lap dancer who was originally kind of working in a kind of Stringfellows-esque uh, dancing club, which feels out of date now and putting her in a different space. You know, she works in a, a kind of fetish club now, which feels much more contemporary and actually gives her more agency as a character, gives her more power as a character, which completely changes some of the relationship dynamics in a way that is really helping the show. So there's lots of little things, but the avatars are the big, big thing. If people know Lyft, the show, abandon everything you thought you knew about the avatars. That's incredibly exciting. I'm sure everyone who has got a ticket is really excited to see this production. Like we say, it has been modernized into this 2022 world. Dean, thank you so much for coming on to talk about the show. Lyft is on from the 13th of May until the 18th of June at the Southwark Playhouse. It's been absolutely amazing to have you on to talk about the production today. We're nearing the end of the podcast, but Dean, I've got one final question for you, and it is the title of this podcast, and that is The Stagey Place. Now, what I'd love to know from all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So this could be the theatre that you first directed your show. This could go back to 13-year-old Dean when he got that chance to get his cast and get his props and get his costumes and put on a show. It can be your first professional directed show post-drama school. It could either be a rehearsal room, the tech sessions, casting, it could just be in a room full of creatives it could be a dressing room there are so many endless opportunities and destinations where your stagey place could be but dean whereabouts is your stagey place you know it's such a hard question for me because there are so many physical places where i would say oh yeah oh, there or there or there and then thinking about that question further and, and i hope this doesn't sound like a cop-out answer I, and, and i mean it sincerely like i think my stagey place is my brain and i think anybody who knows me would probably agree with that you know i think about theater a, a lot i have a life you know i have i have other things that i enjoy and think about and yeah. you know, like to watch or, or play or whatever but theater as i said earlier you know for me theater was a saving grace for a kid who had a very different brain my brain functioned very differently from all the other kids at school, having theatre helped bring order to a lot of chaos in my brain. Yeah. In that way, give me just a complete lease of life. And that's carried on for the whole of my life. And and something that I, I you know, I'm such a, an advocate for just like being openly stagey. I think years ago, I really felt the pressure when I first started directing from other people who I worked with. You know, there was this kind of unwritten rule of, oh, if you work in theatre, you have to kind of pretend not to like it. I can't do that. I love it and I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it because there's 
so much to it and it's it's hard you know it's it's not it's it's the best job in the world but it's not easy and i'm a big advocate for like let's be openly stagey let's love yeah. theater let's love it as a community and so my first stagey place is my own brain and equal to that is anywhere where i'm with other people who love theater just yeah. anywhere where that might be is always special for me yeah, that's such a lovely answer. And I do agree. Like, I feel like we should be more staging. We should be allowing ourselves to be open with that, especially, you know, after such a hard time that we've had in the pandemic. We've really got to show support throughout the whole industry, you know, no matter what part of the industry you work in, whether or not that's creatively or on stage. Like, I feel like we've become much closer and tighter with everybody who works within the industry and we're becoming more appreciative of every single aspect of every show whether or not that's on stage or backstage and you know I do, I do think yeah we have to be more stagey absolutely <laughs> more stagey please <laughs> yes more stagey well Dean thank you so much that's actually come to the end of our episode today thank you so much for coming on to talk about like you say when you were 13 years old and you had that first essence that first taste of directing at such a young age even though you thought it was the most awful thing you've ever directed it was the most important because it really gave you the taste of what that role could be like if you wanted to do it in the future which you've then become because you've left girlfriend training as an actor and you've become a director and now you're doing lift at the Southwark Playhouse again it's on from the 13th of May until the 18th of June Dean thank you so much for coming on to the stage place today thank you for having me Elliot thank you and there we go that was my interview with Dean Johnson director of lift the musical which is at the Southwark Playhouse from the 13th of May until the 18th of June I'd love to thank Dean so much for coming on to talk with me as he was in the midst of rehearsal. Now, if you guys have listened to this episode and wondered where you can book your tickets, you can do so from the Southwark Playhouse website. We'll have the link in our episode notes, so just check below in our description and click the link. So until our next instalment, my name's been Elliot. You've been listening to my interview with director Dean Johnson. I hope you're keeping well and staying stagey. Goodbye. <laughs>